This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. Season 6, Episode 4 of the Four Star Spurs Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony. With me this week, we have Joe. Hello there. John. Lovely to be with you, as always. And Sam G. <laughs> Hello again. It's it's nice to be the only American on this podcast, because I think uh, with the transfer window closing, it's going to be interesting to hear everybody's point of view on how this window was. Because you guys have had a lot more windows to look at than I have. So I'm kind of excited for the conversation and where this is going to go. But we have a lot to talk about before we get to that point. Um, And I want to break the ice by uh, just addressing a Kyle Mates question right off the bat. Um, And uh, Kyle Mates asks us, uh, at Chicago Spurs tweet, which was uh, on Twitter today earlier, is blowing up. What are your favorite cheeses and why? Has there ever been more, a more pol- polarizing topic in Spurs history? Um, Tommy points out the Oasis versus Pearl Jam conversation that we had in 2016 may have uh, topped this cheese conversation, but this was something on Twitter today. Um, I think most of you guys ended up participating. So what are your favorite cheeses? Uh, let's start with uh, uh, Joe first. Well, I'm I'm not a fan of this because I was I – was, quite busy at work today and I was trying to check Twitter for transfer transfer deadline day updates and all I was seeing was these bloody cheeses getting listed because of the Chicago Spurs so I, I'm angry with the cheese conversation it got in my way a bit <laughs> uh, I'm a, I, I, I like all cheese when so I, I lived in South Korea for a couple of years and um, the, what one of the biggest shocks to the system for me when I went out there was they do not really eat cheese it's not it's just not part of the staple kind of diet out there i guess you have to kind of work hard to get it and that was a bit of a eye-opener for me and i i missed it um my favorite cheese is the greek stuff this saganaki is that the, the the you know they flame it don't they that's that's delicious that stuff oh that stuff is great and that's and that's a chicago uh special type of cheese too as well oh, uh yeah. sam do you have a favorite type of cheese uh <clears throat> i just like really strong cheeses i like much strong blue cheese i like things like tom crayers and really nutty for even like the soft cheeses i like are the ones that I like leave you sort of like gasping for breath they taste so strong afterwards yeah those are all good i definitely agree with you there and i like all cheeses so it's tough for me to pick but john what do you have uh, the stronger the better. I like a good gorgonzola or a brie soft cheese. I like cheddar. I certainly like blue cheese. Um, actually, cheese is part of my uh, part of my staple diet. So uh, I, uh, we've got a uh, we've got a store close to us that has more cheeses than um, John Cleese's cheese shop, and it was uh, it's great to go in there. I always overspend. Yeah, for me, it's like uh, the uh, for a snacking cheese, it's a cheddar that's so sharp that it's like you put a knife to it and it just crumbles in front of you. 
That is certainly the, like probably my go-to for snacking. But I mean, when if I'm looking at a salad, I love a good feta, like a Greek. Um, and you know, fresh mozzarella is fantastic if you have it like with a tomato and stuff. Like I just can't. It's tough to pick a cheese. Like cheese is so good in so many different ways. But uh, yeah, I'm. Uh, I gotta say, I like goat cheese as well, as well as you cheese. You know, cheese from the milk of a sheep. Uh, I'm, I'm just so I'll try you. anything. Uh, I think my favorite of all time is uh, going to a market in France where they just, where it, they pour it off the table into your hand, and that stuff is wonderful. Probably very unhygienic, but just great stuff. <laughs> I'm no, just glad no one said the uh, any Wisconsin cheeses because Wisconsin cheese is, is terrible. It's terrible. I don't. I know there's probably people listening that like are from Wisconsin or something, but it's generally pretty terrible. Um, and uh, for a state that prides it on itself, to find it quite appalling, really. That well, I think that's tough to say because there's so many different. It's not like they just make one type of cheese in Wisconsin. Uh, so the pick on a whole state for their... I, I prefer to work in sweeping generalizations. It makes things a lot easier. <laughs> yeah, Sam, I think that uh, maybe in the past that was true. We have a cheese guy at our local farmer's market on a Saturday morning, and they're in Wisconsin, but they try to duplicate the European cheeses and do a fantastic job at it too. Again, <laughs> that's another place I overspend, but they'll have a Wisconsin brie, um, some triple milk cheeses i like the uh the triple milk cheeses but uh it is a uh well i was about to say it was a farm industry but of course it's a bloody farm industry but uh it's a it's a small industry uh trying to make the good cheeses the stuff they make on mass is um, uneatable <laughs> well to go in with the sweeping generalizations i think that's probably a the best lead-in we're going to find into this uh conference league match that we have to talk about first against Passos de Ferreira, um, which I think I'm getting closer to the pronunciation the more I say it over the last three episodes. Um, but um, this Thursday, uh, this past Thursday, we, we, we had the home leg of this uh, Conference League qualifier match. Um, we, were, we came into it being down after losing the first leg, 1-0, um, and we had to, to put up a good performance at home. We had a, a bit more of a mixed squad. We got to see some some players that um, that would normally hit the starting eleven, such as Harry Kane, um, and uh, and and we were able to work out the result out of this, a three nil win. Um, I think there were some pretty promising performances from some of the younger players. Um, I definitely think Brian was uh, was very impressive in this match. I. Uh, um, I think he he could have easily had a goal uh, a goal or two. He did have the assist for the first Harry Kane goal uh, in this uh, Conference League match. I think it was overall a pretty exciting match. What did you guys think of this one? Well, for me, it was pretty much what I expected. Um, I didn't expect to lose the away match, but I didn't think one goal was going to be a problem. It wasn't a problem. We got it. We got through. It's what I anticipated. Um, I, the, as far as the squad was concerned, the only thing that really jumped out at me is that the uh, the new goalkeeper is substantially better than Joe Hart. He used to stop my heart every time he came close to the ball. So 
Um, but uh, but yeah, we we put a very very young team out for the first leg, but it didn't really matter. Um, we put a halfway strong team out, and that was enough. But uh, yeah, beyond that, I think it was just a day at work. Yeah, and, and and now that we've qualified, we probably can start using a young, younger squad at least for our away legs in the group stage as well, right? I mean, this opens up the door to us kind of uh, having minutes for some of those younger players. Uh, what do you think, Joe? Yeah, I like that idea of how to use this competition because obviously none of us want to be in the Europa Conference League. You know, it's not exactly the most prestigious of competitions. But like you say, Anthony, I think the strategy can be use it to get young players minutes. You know, for example, like you said, Brian Heal, I thought he played really well. It's obviously you don't want to bring him in in a Premier League game where it's going to be a lot more difficult for him to adapt. So it's good Good way of bringing in new players, young players, getting them minutes. You know, even someone like Jack Clark, who's kind of been forgotten about, and maybe to a lesser extent like Sessegnon, who's not going to get many minutes in the Premier League. It's ideal for those kind of players. Um, So I I agree with that strategy of playing a younger team away and then in the home game. So you don't have to send Kane, you don't have to send Son to travel to, you know, wherever it may be across Europe, you know, they can just play in the home games if, if needed. Um, I think that's a smart way of, of managing this. And, you know, this is something I know we're kind of laughing at it a little bit, this competition, but we, we should win this competition. There's only really Roma. Um, and I forget the Spanish team in it as well. That are any good really. Yeah. There's um, a lot you've of also got, Yeah. You've also got Ren in there. They're currently the on top oh, of Ren, the, yeah. So they're in our group, right, John? Ren? Yeah. 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 They're a bit of a surprise this year, but they're certainly quite strong in the French league. Yeah, and we'll talk about them uh, later when we discuss the, the the group draw. But but certainly, like the teams in this competition should be more manageable for our younger squad. Uh, Sam. Yeah, Joe. I mean, Joe, you speak for yourself. Ever since I was a lad, I've wanted Spurs to win the Europa Conference League. It's uh, it's been a lifelong dream. <laughs> as a yeah, they're, they're, I don't hate the idea of playing the kids. That were, who's in our group? It's Ren, it's Vitesse Arnhem, and someone else who I can't remember. Mura, who were apparently from Moldova, I believe. I'd never heard of them, but that's so. Okay. Really uh, Vitas Slovenia, Arnhem, by the way. Slovenia. Slovenia, I apologize. Yeah. Vitas Arnhem has given me flashbacks. Is it Willem Corsten that we signed from there after he was on loan at Leeds? Uh, from, yeah, yeah. He, he was a good <laughs> player, Corsten. He was just injured con- constantly, but he wasn't bad. He was so, bad. like, we don't, before, other than Slovenia, that's not too bad then. So, like, Vitas Arnhem and Ren are pretty close. So, that, that's... That, that, we will probably still put out you know, uh, a younger team. Yeah, uh, in terms of performance last week, I thought it was pretty pretty professional all around. Um, I thought, yeah, as you said, Brian, can we just say, to talk about how Brian Brian Hill is apparently Spanish. It's like the least Spanish name. I know, Brian on the back of his shirt. It reminds me of Martin Braithwaite being Danish, basically. Well, um, I think that's because nobody knows how to pronounce his second name. Yeah. You know, the, the Brits will all be calling him Gil. And uh, so, I think yeah. Brian, they can get right. Yeah. Um, yeah, I thought Brian was good. Um, I thought I thought uh, this is not perhaps not going to be controversial this time, but I thought Harry Winks had his best game for a long time for us. Um, 
And yeah, I mean, uh, obviously slightly weaker opposition, and they they showed us up a little bit in the first leg, but we put our half half decent team, and we, you know, we, we won three 0 and it could have quite easily been been even more comfortable. So I'm not I'm not at all disappointed with that. Um, in terms of the group stages, um, I don't know. Is it, I assume the format is the same as always. This is how much attention I pay, by the way. Um, I assume it's we play each team home and away. Yeah, yeah uh, it's the same format. Like uh, the, the 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 main thing is that um, away goals don't matter anymore uh, the way they uh, they did in previous competitions. So um, so they've taken that kind of a. Uh, out of the picture, but that's across the Europa and Champions League as yes, well. Um, but uh, since we've already kind of uh, broached the uh, the group stage, so yeah, our, we're in Group G, and that is uh, Rennes from France, uh, 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 Vitesse from Netherlands, and then Mura from uh, Slovenia. Um, not bad travel there, really, when all said and done. Netherlands and, and France are really close, and... Um, and even Slovenia is really only between like Austria and Italy there. It's not yeah. like it's uh, it's not like we have to tra- travel like across to like uh, across Russia to get to um, to where this uh, away leg is going to be played for that competition. So uh, not a bad group in general. And uh, I, I think that winning this way like making sure that like at the home leg that we pull up enough uh, goals to uh to to beat the competition is a smart way to go and uh, and let's get some minutes for these young guys and like I want to see more of uh Brian Hill I want to see uh more of Sessegnon who I thought has performed well in this match and the the first match as well even though the first match there really wasn't a lot of opportunities that were created um it was nice to see him in a squad with like a couple of uh, um, Spurs starters and and able to mix in a little bit more. I mean, I think there's still some work that has to be done to get him up to speed, but he's a decent backup for uh, for, uh, for for Regulon. Uh, John, yeah, I mean, I think that the, all of the teams are close by, which must be really frustrating because uh, we're not sure if the fans can go or not. I mean, some of these will be road trips rather than. Uh, air trips but are they going to be allowed into uh, the Netherlands or Slovenia which by the way Joe I don't I couldn't pick Slovenia or Moldova on a map so uh, <laughs> it, uh, it doesn't really matter but I think that you know they're all close by but it could be frustrating for the fans who uh, who could normally go who are not going to be able to but who knows what what's going to happen with that it's yeah. uh, it's a moving uh, you know it's it's a moving site at the moment well, let's go ahead to MVP, LVP on this Conference League match because um, we've got a lot more topics to cover. Um, I think it was fun to see um, a few goals scored because we've been seeing a lot of 1-0 victories. Uh, so it was nice to see that in this match. Uh, but let's go to MVP first. And, Joe, who do you have? So uh, we already kind of touched on Brian Heal, Brian or Gill, Brian Heal, um, who I think we all were impressed by. But... I actually think this this game was perfect for reintegrating Kane into the team. Um, you know, because it was weaker opposition, it wasn't the pressure of a Premier League game. It was a nice game for him to come in and score a couple nice goals. Um, the crowd on his side. You know, the first home game since all the drama we've had over the summer. And I, I mean, he did. He just stood out 
a mile for me. Like it's not just his finishing; it's his like range of passing. He's just a, he is a class above. You know, I know I don't want to go into the Kane story this summer. We've talked about that a lot on the podcast already, but just on the pitch. He's just a class act. Um, his goals were really well taken, both of them, and his passing was superb. And, uh, yeah, he's class for me. He's the MVP. Uh, Sam? Uh, yeah, Kane, uh, other than the missed chance in the first minute, Kane was, was, uh, was uh, yeah, pretty electric. I'm going to go – this is nostalgic for me, but I'm going for Harry Wiggs. Um, his play was a lot more uh, what's the word aggressive than we're used to for him like he picked out heel for the first Kane goal um he had at least one or two like uh really sort of uh, important challenges that broke up uh broke up their attacks um and he was like always looking forward which is uh some would say unusual for him so I'm going for Winks. I like it. Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm going to go with you, Sam, actually. I think, uh, you know, as far as this MVP is concerned, yeah, was Harry Kane the best player on the pitch? Yeah. Was he expected to be? Yeah. So who really stepped up? And for me, it was Deli Ali and Harry Winks. So I would go with Harry Winks again because I, I think he really showed uh, what he's capable of. I've always liked him. I know he's been out of favour with a few fans over the last few months, but uh, I think he showed what he can do on... Uh, in this game, and uh, he deserves the MVP. You know, I'm going to go different than you guys, and I like I am going to give it to Brian Hill. I I thought he was fantastic. Um, I was was glad to see that type of performance out of him. I I think it's going to be a while before we see him perform that way in Premier League matches. Um, but like the, the, getting the first goal across the board with that uh, uh, assist to. To, to Harry Kane was was brilliant, and uh, yeah, Winks obviously was a contributor to that play. Um, I, it was, I thought it was beautiful all around with everybody involved. Um, but I'm going to give it to Brian just because I I have high hopes for that player, and I think it's it's great that we got such a young talent in uh, this window. Um, uh, it, how about LVP? Does uh, anybody have an LVP for this match, Joe? Um, yeah, I, I do actually. I'd say Doherty. I thought he was awful, <laughs> to be to be quite frank. I mean, I take no pleasure in saying it. I was so excited when we signed Doherty. Uh, you know, he was such a good player for Wolves, you know, attacking, dynamic fullback. He got goals, he got assists. But he's just not, for whatever reason, I don't know, but it's just not working out for him. Um, maybe it's a confidence thing. I, I really don't know. But he again, his crossing was really bad. He's defensive play was poor at times and just just like he was just miscontrolling it um you know he'd go out for a throw-in because he miscontrolled a basic pass and just I don't know I feel bad for him almost but he's just been so bad when he's played unfortunately uh, and this was another bad game in my opinion well yeah and and we would expect against this type of competition and especially in a wing back role that, that he, he would be able to perform a, a little bit better. That's what we, we thought we had with him. And it is a little concerning, especially uh, we'll talk later with Aria leaving. Um, um, yeah, we, we still have two, two uh, serviceable right backs, but like you, you you want something a little bit more out of Doherty in some type of role. So, uh, yeah, you want to have some expectations for that player. Um, 
Uh, he's my LVP as well, so I'll jump in right there and uh, uh, say my piece there. Uh, Sam, John, do you guys have a different person? Yeah, can, can I can I say the ref for booking Romero for winning the ball cleanly? Oh, that was ridiculous. <laughs> he was through on goal as well. He was through on goal. Yeah. Oh, quick, quick. No, we haven't really mentioned Romero yet. Like, yeah, I thought he was rock solid, and I, I was I was hopeful that I would love him. I didn't think I'd love him this quickly, but uh, yeah, so I'm very hopeful that he's going to be. Uh, He's going to be very good for us. I, um, I think it was either of the fullbacks, really. I think Ben Davis and, and Doherty or Doherty were uh, both pretty poor. Davis, really, just because Sessegnon did everything ahead of him and all he had to do was mop up. Doherty did his usual thing of just not really being able to do much when he did get forward. So uh, I guess I, I guess I'm going to go for Davis just to even it out. But. A good chat with Romero there, and I think like Romero, like he he, he w- was involved with the mistake that led to that away goal in his first match, which you can't really blame a guy just coming into the side. But uh, it was nice to see him put together such a good performance. So good shout there, Sam. Uh, John, do you have a different LVP? No, I agree with uh, with everybody so far with Doherty. I mean, the best thing you can say about Doherty right now is with the with Aurier gone, he's moved into third position for right back. Um, which is more than he deserves, I think. I, I also do not know what happened to him. Um, as you say, he was their player of the year was when we got him, and he's come to us and he hasn't looked anything like that. So I don't know whether it's inside his head or what it is, but it isn't working. And I think we try to offload him, but no, everybody else must figure out the same thing we do. But, uh, but yeah, he was pitiful. Um, I did not think that Ben Davis had such a bad game, quite honestly, Sam. I thought he did okay. Um, I thought he and Sessignon worked well together because uh, it meant that Davis didn't have to do so much rushing down the wing and back. But, uh, yeah, I, I thought that was a good combination, those two. So, I, I, But I would definitely say Matt Doherty. I, I don't know what he's doing at the club, quite frankly. And I like what, what what options that we can see are forming here. With Ben Davies can slot into a back three. Um, you also have players on the other side. Tanganga looks like he might be able to slot into a back three on the other side. Um, and, and we have a couple center backs that have uh, perform, performed above expectations without Romero in yet. So. Uh, it's kind of exciting to see how this all shakes out. Like we have a lot of pop moving parts in that back line now, where we can go from a back three to a a back four, and and uh, uh, and even more of a defensive back five, I guess, um, depending upon um, what the situation is. So I think that's kind of exciting uh, to see what Nuno is going to do with it. But uh, great, great, great conversation there on the Conference League match. But let's move it along to the Watford match. Um, so this. This past weekend, uh, we took on Watford at home this this past Sunday, another early match, uh, 8 a.m. here in Chicago. Um, we um, we came out of it like after kind of fighting tooth and nail throughout the match once again uh, with another 1-0 victory, so three straight 1-0 victories. But what a day it was because um, Arsenal had lost the previous day and and – and we we already knew that if we won this match, that that we would be sitting nine points above Arsenal on the third match of the season, um, and Arsenal was sitting in last place in twentieth place, and 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 we could move to first place with a, a victory here because we would be the only team with three three victories. Um, so 
this, despite the performance being a bit tooth and nail, maybe a little bit like a, only a one, another one nil victory. Uh, the result was fantastic. Um, so what are your guys thoughts on this one? Let's start with Sam. Yeah. I mean, I, the performance wasn't amazing. Um, like we didn't seem to be able to create much despite having possession and they did feel like they were from the eye test at least they feel a little bit dangerous like is it saw that speedy forward um like look dangerous when he had the ball but when you sort of like i thought about it and i watched watched the game and bits and pieces again like larice really didn't have a save to make like not, uh, so like even though we did feel under a little bit more pressure than we should have done against a new uh, a newly promoted side and i wasn't massively happy afterwards like with uh, with the all-round performance like we're still really ridiculously solid at the back somehow with davinson franco Barese, sanchez um, it's like, I, I don't really understand what's happened there. Like, it might be, people were saying last year, maybe it's a lack of confidence or bad coaching or whatnot, but like, Dyer and Sanchez both look solid. Like, Sanchez was great again. Um, so even though, yeah, our, our problem is coming from not being able to create too many opportunities at the moment, um, um, and yet we're still top of the league. So um, <laughs> before before we we we'll let John respond next, but uh, we have a question that comes from Peter, uh, who most of us know from the pub. Um, so he asks us: uh, Surely the the, the 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 three solid Premier League performances by Dyer and Sanchez are a false positive, right? Um, it can't just be playing ten yards uh, uh, further up the pitch combined with a, a shield of Hoybier and Skip has made them less shite, right? Asking for a friend. So is it is this really, like, are they, are they better players than we thought? Is this just uh, the uh, uh, kind of the uh, Hoybier skip protection that they have? Um, w- what's causing this? Like, uh, we, we've seen, like, three results that, that show the same thing, that it's, it's kind of, uh, it's not pretty, but it's working. John? Yeah, I mean, to me, Sanchez is like a new signing. I don't know. Uh, what happened when he went to the, uh, he went play for uh, in the Copa del Rey or whatever it was, but he came back a completely different player. I mean, his confidence was up. Um, I is it because of the new manager? I think maybe that's the case. Uh, to me, the big difference between the two is Mourinho thought he was bigger than the club. Nuno thinks the club is bigger than him. And I think that uh, Mourinho had a bad influence on some players. Um, and we've seen it. Deli Ali, like a new player. Sanchez is like a new player. Um, Dyer has been much stronger. Um, so I, I'm really pleased that I think Nuno is getting more out of these players that we knew had talent, but seemed to be uh, determined to prove us otherwise. So, yeah, Sanchez is like a new signing. I mean, wow. Um, let's... Uh, I think I think it's wonderful. What about you, Joe? Yeah, John, I, I'm with you 100. Um, percent It actually made me. I was thinking about this exact issue today because, like Sam will attest to this, I was I've been slating Sanchez for like two seasons, saying he's terrible, he's useless, and I'm the first to hold my hands up and say he's been brilliant. Not I would say not only in the free league games because 
we played Arsenal in that friendly. I can't remember if he played in the Chelsea game. I don't think he did. I can't remember. But in the Arsenal game, he was great as well. And I know that was a quote-unquote friendly, but it wasn't really, was it? Let's be honest. And he was really good in that game as well. Um, so I don't think it's a false positive. I I think John's on to something. If you remember when he played for Ajax in that um in the final of the Europa League in, I think it was 2016, against Manchester United when Mourinho was the manager. Mourinho famously targeted Sanchez. That was his strategy at United. He said, give him time on the ball. He's, you know, they, they kind of identified him as a weak link. And if you remember in that All or Nothing documentary, like Mourinho like goes up to Sanchez, it's caught on camera, and he kind of, I forget verbatim what he says, but he basically takes the piss out of Sanchez. He kind of alludes to the fact that they lost the fine. And it's just like, it's just such bad man management. Like, I, I mean, I don't know Sanchez. I have no idea what his personality is like. But maybe it's like with the Luke Shaw thing, right? Luke Shaw famously under Mourinho was like terrified of making mistakes, played badly, was no confidence. And then now he's one of the best fullbacks in the world. It might be a similar thing with Sanchez. Maybe, you know, if you can relate this to situations where maybe you manage people at work or just in like relationships with people, friends... It's not, people don't really like that behavior, you know, and Mourinho's stuck in the dark ages kind of acting like that. And I, I think that affected Sanchez. Of course, I don't know any insider knowledge, but I would speculate he's, Mourinho kind of created this culture of fear a little bit, you know, fear of making mistakes. You saw that with a lot of players. And I think Sanchez probably was one of those players. And now that we have a new manager, like John says, who isn't, he's got a different atmosphere in the, in the, in the changing room, in the around the club, he's a different player. Player transformed, and I think that's a big part of it. Yeah, Joe, you, you have spent the last two years slating him, but in fairness, just before that, where you were saying that he always had all the tools, and that like you, you really liked him when he was very raw, and you know maybe you were originally right. And it was like, well, I thank guess you, Sam. Say... You can be you can be my PR man. <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> Yeah, I'm like you, Joe. I I was ready for him to go. I didn't care if he went. I didn't think he he played very well. He hadn't shown himself at all. But he has proved me completely wrong, and I'll fully admit that. The way he's come out and played, uh, I'm glad we kept him, and I think he's going to be an integral part of our team this year. Well, and I I agree with you guys. And I think Nuno's influence and definitely the fitness level that he keeps players at uh, has has a... uh, Effect here. I, I really think Mourinho's system uh, put too much stress on the the back line, and I I think Dyer Sanchez are talented players, but maybe they're not the type of superb players that will excel in a, a Mourinho system. Where I think Nuno looks at it and says, like, I've got to protect these guys a little bit, and that's why he's using the Hoybier and and Skip uh, combination. The other part of Peter's question to kind of protect them. And I do think that that's certainly benefiting them. And I, like, I think we need to, at some point, especially against some of the lesser sides in the league, we have to see what it will look like when we have uh, more attacking midfielder options out there and, and, and less uh, defensive focused options um, uh, to, to see if we can uh, find a way to like look a little bit more effective on the attack is um, kind of going to the next question that we're going to ask can we kind of make it through this season with just uh, one nil victories this way, um, which the system kind of uh, promotes those just, just hold on and play 
play good defensive system and 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 have some good quality attackers that are going to be able to at least scrape away a goal each match. Um, and uh, we have a question from Zane uh, Waddle, um, and I think this is a new questioner. I don't think we, I've I've seen Zane before. So he asks, uh, "Would you rather have uh, thirty-eight one-nil wins and win the league, or not win the league?" Um, I think that's probably an easy question, but I think what he's getting at is kind of what we're talking about here. Like, can we can we set up this defensive structure? Can we play skip all these matches and uh, with Hoybier and and get by this way, uh, John? Well, I I think apart from the Watford game, um, we played entertaining football. I mean, people assume that because it's one nil, it's a dull game. It hasn't been a dull game. Um, the game against Manchester City was a great game. And, uh, you know, it, it, I haven't had a chance to talk about Watford yet. Um, Watford surprised me. Uh, they were much better than I anticipated they would be. Um, but we managed to eke out a 1-0 win. Um, and that's how you win championships. Uh, I was not... I mean, people said I was crazy a month ago when I said we were going to win the league. And um, I'll stand by that. But... Uh, but in answer to the question, of course I want uh, 38 1-0 wins. I mean, then we're going to win the league and nobody cares how you play. But uh, just to assume that a 1-0 game is going to be dull, I think is not right. You are crazy. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I'm, I mean, I'm crazy, but, but that's uh, that's a different issue, Sam. <laughs> uh, Joe, you look like you wanted to respond. Uh, no, it's, uh, yeah. Um I think you're Anthony, you made a really good point there about the defence being better because we've got Skip and Hoybier. And I, I do think that's certainly feeding into the touching back on the last question, the defence being good um is because those guys are doing a great job defensively. I think John's absolutely right. You can't look at that Manchester City game and say that it wasn't like the fluky one nils we got under Mourinho where we were getting battered the whole game and we got a goal on the break. Like against City, we you know we went head to head against City and we you know we attacked them. It wasn't a cagey performance. Um, I do think we were lucky in the Wolves game. To be honest, I think Wolves were were very good and they were very good when they played Manchester United. I think Wolves were a decent team and that was a great win. I, I'm not sure we really deserved the win, but you know what, we'll take it. Um, but I think we're playing well. I think he set us up well with what he has. He doesn't have the creative midfielder option really at the moment because Ndombele, for various reasons, is not available to him. So he's making do with what he has and he's got a very functional midfield with Skip and Hoybier doing all the protective defensive work and Delhi kind of as this like runner. He's just covering a lot of ground and doing doing a really good job as well. So I think Nuno's managing the mid, midfield tools that he has really, really well. And, um, you know, good, good, good on him. It's good management so far. Well, and to Peter's point on that, going back to Peter's question, I, I don't know how sustainable it is. Um, like, and I, like, I think we'll talk about the window later. Um, I think we all, all wanted to see a little bit more creativity options to to kind of give us uh, multiple methods to try and work out wins to, uh, in different matches, uh, which maybe we haven't accomplished entirely this year. Uh, maybe for the future future years, it's more likely. But um, uh, but on a whole, like um, if it's not broke yet, so like we might not need to fix it just yet. Like it's uh, it's working right now. Um, I think uh, 
we work in some of our newer options and see where we can go with it and uh, try different formations. And we're eventually going to find a match where we're kind of uh, struggling and, uh, and maybe we find ourselves behind. We give up a goal and uh, we'll see what he do- Nuno does with that situation. Like we haven't given up a goal yet, so we haven't seen him have to, to play out that match plan. So it'll be interesting to see where, where things go when we get to that. Um, any other thoughts on this Watford match? I mean, we saw like a, a very impressive sunny set piece goal um, in this one, which was uh, um, which we haven't seen a lot of uh, set piece goals from Spurs uh, over the last couple of years. So it was nice to see. Do you mean um, impressive? As in, it's fluke. There's no way he intended that. Surely. Ah. Yeah, probably, but uh, but but still, nonetheless, to put yourself into that position to for that to work. So uh, Sam, what what it? I think what was happening, and it was called. I forget. I think it might have been Tony Gale was the co-commentator, and he kind of called it. When you've got a free kick at that angle, and you take it as an in-swinger, you basically aim for the far post, and that way, either someone gets a touch on it and knocks it in, or if no one touches it, it's really difficult for the keeper. And I do think it goes down as a goalkeeping error. I think the keeper should have reacted quicker to the, once it didn't get a touch, but it, it it's a great, it's one of those kind of cross shots, they call it, don't they? You just put it into an area and kind of see what happens. So I don't think it was a shot as such. He just put it in that area, knowing that it's either going to go in or someone's going to get on the end of it. Right. So it's a great, it's a really good. Ball. I agree. I agree with you, Joe. Um, it's one of those uh, in swinging free kicks that, really puts the goalkeeper um, in a terrible position because he's got to go one way or the other. And I think he anticipated that somebody would be putting a a foot on it and we didn't. It went in anyway. So um, did he mean to score? No, probably. But it was certainly a goal attempt. So I'll uh, I'll give it to him. Yeah, uh, on a whole, like he, he... He earned it whether it was intended or not. So, um, and and we were able to pull out the victory out of that. Like, d- despite the fact that I think Watford, uh, you know, they they had more shots than us and and way more shots on. Uh, well, uh, oh no, we had. I'm sorry, we did have 15 to and eight shots on target. So I take that back. Um, but I I don't think they were as toothless as uh, the numbers show. Um, so it was nice to see us to find a way to to get the victory out of this match. Um, I think two or three of their shots were by Musa Sissoko. So, I was going to say the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, Joe, well, it, he was certainly one of the the uh, the two shots that was not on goal. <laughs> cleared the stadium, I think, didn't it? One of yeah, I, I think you're right. That, uh, certainly, uh, the people in Rosehead weren't. Com- weren't concerned it was going to come to them. It was over their head. <laughs> well, um, any final thoughts on this Watford match before we move on uh, to the next topic? So we got we still have to do MVP, LVP. Uh, um, a- a- anything else that we want to touch on that we didn't touch on specifically with the match, Joe? Well, just continue it on Sissoko. I'm glad he got a nice reception. You know, he was a good servant to the. He played five years, over 200 appearances. I know he divided opinion. I know he wasn't the most skillful player in the world, but, you know, I think he always tried his best for the club. 
he was part of the reason we got to the Champions League final. He had some big games for us. And, um, you know, I, I, I'm glad he got a nice reception. And same for Danny Rose. He didn't get a um, chance to get a proper send-off. So I'm glad that both of them got a chance to sort of wave goodbye to the fans and get a nice uh, ovation. That they, they both deserved that. So I, I'm glad that happened. Yeah, that was that was certainly a nice part of this match. Like, uh, I didn't think Sissoko was going to be able to play. I think it was, sounded like it was some kind of fluke that, like, uh, the the way the paperwork got in in time, it wasn't expected to. But he was able to play the match, and it was kind of nice that he got to play it, and we got to give him the send off that I think he definitely deserves. Um, whatever um, the split opinion is on his uh, uh, skill level. He certainly worked hard for our club, and there was a year where um, Chicago Spurs voted him our Player of the Year. Um, <laughs> believe it or not, like uh, he because he he really was that workhorse for us. Um, so I, I'm happy for him that he's going to be able to get regular Premier League minutes uh, this upcoming season, and uh, it was nice to see both him and Danny uh, on a team that. That that's going to appreciate their their ability to perform. Uh, so let's go to MVP first, and we'll start with John this time. Okay, my my MVP is going to be Sanchez again. Um, I'm working on the uh, on the thought process that who stood out that was much better than I anticipated them to be, and um, Sanchez was definitely uh, the one I I think who deserves an honourable mention is Tanganga. But uh, over the two, I'm going to pick Sanchez. Yeah, I definitely agree with you. Sanchez uh, put together a good performance, uh, Joe. Yep, I'm. I'm just going to second what you're saying, John. You've said it perfectly, Sanchez. For me, I thought Dyer did a decent job too. Um, if you remember, in the first minute, we almost scored. Kane had a bit of a situation where it was almost a penalty claim, but it, it wasn't a foul. Then they went down the other end and Dyer blocked two. He blocked a cross. Then he threw himself at a shot. Um, really good blocks. And I thought he did he did well. But for me, I'm with John. I think Sanchez was uh, was great in this game. Yeah, great. And I'll jump in right now and say I agree with you guys. Sanchez is my MVP as well. Like, great, great defense. Like, he kept us in this match. Uh, like, when you're trying to win 1-0, you can't make any defensive errors. And... And he kept us there. Uh, he deserves the credit. Sam, who do you got? An honourable mention to Skip for me, who pretty much like won the midfield battle against Sissoko all day. Um, but yeah, I'm going Sanchez as well. He's pretty. He's, I can't believe that I'm saying this, but he was like entirely dominant. Or like even the only times that uh, like that you felt that there was a bit of danger was there were Pacey on the break and Sanchez just mopped it up. Like he was great. Yeah, yeah, who would have thought that four people on the panel would have picked Sanchez <laughs> as the most valuable player a month ago? I mean, that's uh, I think that's as outstanding as uh, 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 as anything. Oh, certainly, and and good shout there too with Skip. Like, I mean, Skip has been so key. Like at times he makes mistakes and he uh, like gets beat. Sometimes, but he he fights tooth and nail the whole match, and like, and he's been a huge part of uh, protecting our defense for these uh, three first three one nil victories. So, so good shout there too, Sam, for him. Uh, how about LVP? Uh, does anybody have an LVP for this one? Uh, let's start with uh, John again. 
Well, I was disappointed in um, Bergwijn's performance. Um, he's been hot and cold, and he didn't really... I expected more of him, let's put it that way. He seems to be firing on five out of six cylinders at the moment, and I'm not quite sure what it is. Um, compared to Mora, who has come through and is firing on all eight cylinders, if you want to mix your cylinder metaphors but uh but Berwin i thought was a bit disappointing so i would i would say him fair show uh joe yeah i'd say you make a good case john i don't think anyone was bad i wouldn't give anyone under a sort of a five out of ten but if if you were had to pick someone at gunpoint i would probably agree with you with Bergwine. although he did win the f- the free kick for the f- goal i should say so i guess technically that's an assist he was he won the foul that son got the free kick for um i think going in like that's my concern really with the team at the moment is goals just relying on kane and son and to john's point bergwine he's got a lot of the great raw ingredients he's fast he's skillful you know he works hard but it's just that kind of final ball or like getting actually getting a goal he's only got one goal in the last year um so we need we need more output from him. So yeah, I, I I'd, I'd I'd probably agree with you, uh, Bergwine. Uh, Sam. Uh, yeah, Stevie V as well. Nothing nothing remotely interesting that has to add that hasn't already been said, Stevie. Yeah, and I I hate to give it to him because he does work so hard and he does do so many good things, um, and it feels like you're picking at him just because the final product, but um, um. Like I, I still feel like there's a player there that that if he can just uh, find, he just needs to get lucky and score a couple lucky goals, mm-hmm. um, like ones that like are unexpected and kind of get over that hump. And I think we might start seeing him be able to to, to score regularly. But whatever mental is going on in his head after so long without being able to score, if it sticks, like then. Uh, I don't know if there's like a long-term player there, but if he finds a way to get over and get over it and be able to score eight, ten goals a year, um, that, then there's certainly a player there with everything else that he does with uh, like his defensive contributions, his uh, his speed, his uh, work rate, like it's all there except for the the, the finishing. And yeah, he's my LVP as well, unfortunately, which I hate to keep picking on him, but. Um, but yeah, it's, it's gotta keep happening. Um, any final thoughts about these two matches before we, uh, go to half? Okay. So let's go to half. Uh, so second half, we are going to, uh, talk about the transfer window, which snaps shut today. Um, and talk about the acquisitions that we made this whole window and, uh, the, the players that, that left us this window, um, we uh, already kind of touched on the Conference League uh, group stage draw, but we will talk about the League Cup draw as well, and then we will do a preview of Crystal Palace, who we are going to be playing after the international break. Um, we we aren't going to be doing an episode next week during the international break, but we probably we will re- release one of uh, Catherine's uh, um, Spur Supporters in America episodes where she uh, interviews. Uh, uh, local supporters here to kind of give a personal uh, taste of uh, what support's like in the United States, which is uh, I'm excited to hear that episode when it comes out. So we will have one of those next week while we're off. Um, 
But first, we are going to go to John's lone player update. Yeah, thank you very much, Anthony. And um, yeah, welcome to the first lone episode of the season. Um, there is there are a few things that have yet to be resolved, but uh, I think uh, what I'd like to talk about first are the loans that have been put into place so far. Um, Troy Parrott has been sent to MK Dons for the season. He's had a Great start, couple of goals, couple of assists. They're very pleased with him, and I think he's following on from the his uh, the end of last season when he started to really uh, be productive, which is what we want out of him. So um, he's doing MK Dons and himself a power of good. Um, Kian Etete went to Northampton. Um, he was out. Uh, he's been put on loan there for the year. He scored two goals on his debut. Um, has not scored since, but so he he did uh, he's done very well on his debut, and um, we're looking forward to seeing what he can do down there in uh, Northampton. James Bowden has gone to Oldham. Unfortunately, he's been hit with uh, the COVID situation, has had to isolate, and has not been able to perform yet for Oldham. But we do expect him to be back fairly shortly, hopefully this weekend. Um, Alfie Whiteman, the goalkeeper, has gone to Sweden to play for Degerfors. I don't know how you pronounce that, but if you're Swedish, let me know. Um, Brandon Austin's loan at Orlando continues. His loan was for the entire MLS season, so he did not come back in the off-season. He continues to, to be on the squad there at Orlando. And then the new signing, Saar, who we got from Mets, has been sent back to, uh, to them for the season um, he's a young lad, but uh, we expect a lot of him, and I think it's uh, we, that's a proven way to get, to get these uh, loanees. I think some experiences to keep them with the club that they've been growing with. So um, we look forward to seeing how that goes. So those that were on loan last year, let's just look a little bit about those. Um, Skip and Cessignon have made the squad at uh, at Tottenham. I think they're both great additions and. Certainly, uh, they had uh, they had good seasons last year with uh, with Norwich and Hoffenheim, and I think they're going to be a great addition to our to our squad. Um, Gazaniga, who went on loan to Elche, has been released. Um, Sirkin has gone to Sunderland on a transfer. He was on loan last year. Um, Foyth is with Villarreal. We didn't have any choice about that. Um, we had a uh, Villarreal had a, a loan to purchase option, and they quite rightly took it. I think he was a bargain for them. Um, Ioma, who was playing at Lincoln last year, has gone to them permanently. Okandina and Tracy, who were both at Cambridge United last year, have gone to Cambridge permanently. And Carter Vickers today has gone to Celtic for a year's loan, and they have an option to buy him. So, um, sadly, I think we're going to see the end of the American, but um, we wish him well in Scotland there. Um, the other two players who were on loan with us who have been released are Sterling and Rolls, and neither of those have found a new club yet. Um, Jack Clark, who went on uh, loan last year, has evidently turned down three opportunities to join clubs on loan. Um, so it looks like he's going to be staying with Tottenham. Hopefully he can be useful in the Europa Conference or something like that. 
And then the other players that were that were on loan last year that have not been put on loan yet are Harvey White, um, Fagan Walcott, and Lloyd Bennett. Uh, all three of those I would expect to find a, uh, a loan position in the lower leagues, and uh, the ability to loan to lower leagues has not finished with the closure of the uh, uh, of the transfer window, so that could still happen. So that is the September loan roundup, and thanks for listening. Well, thanks so much for that, John. Like, uh, I, definitely some good information there, and I think it's going to lead well into our next topic of conversation, which is the transfer window. Uh, so we came in this year. Obviously, we had the uh, the the, the coaching purchase drama that we've talked about multiple times on this uh, podcast. So I won't go into that again. Uh, but we eventually got uh, Paratici in, um, and it, it it was kind of a new hope for that we're going to find a new way to to make our purchases and build our squads. Um, and I think it was a bit hopeful, and and, and I, I think we've seen like uh, some good acquisitions this year. We also knew that we had to cut some deadwood and 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 find ways to to cut some players that are either aging, or just don't fit into the squad anymore. And I think we've kind of done both of these things. Now, um, I think uh, if if you go into like uh, the Spurs. Twitterverse and uh, and all the social media out there, people are kind of mixed on how this uh, this window was. I want to have a kind of a conversation about the total window. I'm just going to kind of lead into it with the the acquisitions that we have made. Um, so um, we've already talked about Brian Hill this episode, a left winger. Um, he can play on the other wing if he has to. He's looked uh, uh, pretty promising in the Conference League matches that he's played for us. Um, young player, only 20. Um, Emerson uh, Royal came in a, uh, a another Brazilian player, uh, right, uh, um, right back. Um, we knew that we were looking for a right back this year, even though we were kind of, uh, we, we had people in that position, but uh, we knew that REA was out of favor. Um this was the. This happened today and was finalized today, even though it was uh, it looked like it was uh, pretty in writing uh, yesterday. Um, Poppy Sar, um, a defensive midfielder from uh, Mets FC Mets, um, he, we sent him back on loan after bring, bringing him into uh, Mets, so they will have him one more year. But we were able to purchase his, his services. An 18-year-old player that's very exciting, kind of a look to the future. Um, we've already talked about Golini today a little bit, like our goalkeeper on loan with the option to purchase, uh, um, which I think is probably smart uh, with uh, Hugo's future up in the air after this season when this contract runs out. Um, Christian Romero, the very long, lengthy transfer that it took several weeks to uh, to work out. The twenty three um, year old uh, center back. Uh, he's on loan technically from um, a, a loan with the obligation to purchase uh, next next year. Um, obviously, a very exciting center back. 
As John mentioned, like we have uh, Alfie Whiteman as our third goalkeeper returning from loan. Um, we have uh, Sessegnon returning as a left, uh, either uh, wing back or or winger. Um, uh, and then we had like uh, obviously uh, Foyth and Gazzaniga return from loan, and we and we've sold them out, right? Uh, so those those were our arrival section, um, our departure section. Um, obviously, Juan, Fo- Juan Foyth we talked about. Toby Alderveld left at age 32, a great player for us. Musa Sissoko we talked about earlier today, left for us at age 32. Joe Hart, uh, goalkeeper at age 34. Uh, we brought in just to, simply to be an English uh, person who can keep goal. Um, uh, a homegrown um, Danny Rose left back hadn't been playing in re- pre- in recent years Eric Lamella who who went in the Brian Hill uh, deal uh, Gazaniga we mentioned um, uh, obviously uh, Poppy Sar we're sending back on loan Alfie Whiteman out on loan Serge Aria today um, this was uh, finalized um we agreed with him that, um, that that he's going to be out of contract. That we are, we're uh, not the right word abolishing his contract, and he's uh, um, he's a free agent. Like uh, they, uh, other teams can purchase him at this point. We're free of his contract at this point with uh, the amount of right backs that we have. And then obviously, Bale. Uh, we ended the loan in Benicius. We ended his loan as well. Um, so those were our departures. So on a whole, like uh, we we haven't spent a lot. Like uh, we had a, a sum of thirty five million, uh, just under thirty six million spend this year. Um, our average age of departure was uh, twenty seven point eight. So we were getting a little bit of a lot of older players in this window. What do you guys think on this window as a whole? And uh, I'll I'll start with uh, Joe first. I'm I'm pretty happy with how the window's gone. Um, you just alluded to it at the end there, Anthony. The average age. Um, I think we ended last season as the fifth oldest squad in the league, and now I don't know exactly where we are, but it's gone down significantly, basically because, as you mentioned, we've got rid of a lot of thirty-plus players. We actually only have, or the only thirty-plus player we have in our hold team at the moment is Hugo and obviously he's a goalkeeper so no outfield players over 30 I think that's a really smart move to trim the the age um yeah I mean I think when you so when you you kind of got to take a step back here when you're looking at the the window right because it, it you need the context you know in the past if you think of transfer windows we've had you've got to look at your position of strength so the worst thing for me was when we didn't buy anyone that window when we were in the Champions League. When you're in the Champions League, you're automatically a far more attractive proposition than we are now as the team that finished seventh and who were in the Europa Conference League. You know, that's an obvious thing to say. But we didn't. You, that's when you have to strengthen. That's when you have to buy the players because you've got more people interested in coming. So with that in mind, I'm absolutely amazed and impressed beyond belief that we've been able to get Romero in particular is a brilliant signing I mean he's a Champions League player how we've got 
in, we're in the Conference League, finished seventh, and how we've signed Romero is beyond <laughs> expectation for me. He's a really, really good player. I watch a little bit of Serie A now and again, and I've seen him play a lot, and he's excellent. So that was beyond my expectation. Brian Hill, 20-year-old Spanish, full international. He's got three Spanish caps. I mean, if you think of a... Obviously, the Spanish national team are one of the strongest in the world. You know, you think of it, if it was an English player, 20 years old with three caps, they'd probably be worth 60 million or something daft, you know. So to get a 20-year-old Spanish international, I think that's a great signing too. Obviously, Saar, I haven't really seen him play. I can't comment. He's meant to be good. Same with Emerson, uh, Royal. I, I just I haven't seen him play. Um, but overall, I'm, I'm happy with the window, with all that um, said. And we've extended Son's contract and kept Kane. So, <laughs> for me, it's a solid 8 out of 10 uh, transfer window overall. Yeah, a great window. Uh, uh, Sam? Yeah, yeah. Uh... To Joe's point, I think Ben White has two England caps, two England caps, and uh, he was fifty million. So oh, there yeah, you go. yeah. Uh, and he's a little bit older. Yeah, Brian's looked lively so far. Um, I don't know anything about Saar, although I've watched YouTube highlights, and he's clearly the best. He's clearly the next coming of Paul Scholes. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, Romero, like Joe, was particularly excited about, and yeah, he, he really. I don't watch Serie A, and I don't. I didn't watch any of the. Um, uh, the Argentina, the tournament, the name escapes me, Argentina one. Um, but like, he, he looks solid so far. He, like, he was, he, didn't he win Defender of the Year award in Serie A last year? He was statistically, yeah. quote unquote, the best defender in Serie A. Like, that isn't something that comes, that like happens easily. Like, he's clearly got a lot about him. So, and I think I was as surprised as anyone that we signed someone that was that, like, Clearly uh, desirable. Like I'm very sad to see Toby go, but he had clearly lost the yard. I'm also confused. Is anyone else confused that he ended up going to Qatar? And like, especially like he didn't even go to like the team that like wins the league every year. Who are uh, I only looked at this when when he went. There's a team that's managed by um, Xavi, uh, who Santi Cazorla pays for now called Al Sadd, and they win the league apparently most years. And he's gone to like the team that's chasing them. Um, so, like, anyway, that, that surprised me. I'm sad to see him go, but it's probably about time. Sad to see Bale go back. I was hoping we would get the second year of his loan. Um, you know, but, like, we cleared out some dead wood. Toby's wages were a lot. I think he was on 150 grand a week or something. So, like, you know, that's the wages of three younger players that, like, are going to probably be bad. Um, so, and I don't know anything about Emerson. Um but I, I just I hope that he's probably going to be better for us than Matt Doherty is. I'm, I'm pretty happy. I'm not massively going over the top in love with Parachisi just yet. Let's see how these players turn out. Um, but I definitely think it's a, it's promising. Definitely a promising. Like because here, when did he join us? Like July, June. When the, when the wind he I think he joined Sam when the window like officially opened or whatever so like the first of would it be first of june or first of july i can't remember and like yeah. and it's not just like you would expect him to be focused massively on on italy because that's what where he knows right and like yeah obviously we signed it was right, uh, right, to, to answer your question uh it was right when uh we were getting connected to conti because like the rumor was that they were coming in together 
But um, he hadn't started officially yet, though. You're right, Anthony. That was yeah. like a connection been made. But I, I, I'm pretty sure Paratici hadn't actually officially begun his role at the club yet. They were just kind of putting them to, together. Yeah, like we, we managed to sign players from the French and the Spanish leagues like that, by all accounts, have quite a bit about them. I can't say that I know anything about uh, Emerson or, or, or Saria. Um, but like, it, we didn't just buy from Italy. So like, he seems to have at least hit the ground running in terms of getting stuff done. Um, we will. I, I'm gonna gonna hold withhold judgment on how good they are until we start uh, until we see the players play a lot. But I, I'm, I'm not unhappy. It, it seems like a promising strategy, if nothing else. Uh, John? Uh, yeah, I, I think that certainly um, he has put his stamp on some things. The thing I really like is in the past, we seem to have been waiting to get money from sales before we've spent money on buys. Um, that wasn't the case this year. We went out and got the players that we wanted and then figured out who we were going to get rid of. So it wasn't one driving the other, which I, which I like. I think his expertise certainly helped in getting the two players from Atalanta. Um, you know, Joe mentioned how we, on earth we got Christian Romero. Um, I did hear, I believe, some rumours that Atlanta needed the money. but uh, uh, And then certainly that was the case, given getting Emerson from Barcelona, they needed the money too. So... Um, yeah, the new setup I think is is very advantageous to Tottenham. I like the players that we've got in, um, not only the ones that are going to make an immediate impact, but those that are going to make an impact down the road. And um, some of the players that have gone, I've been a little disappointed, but I haven't been uh, I haven't been able to argue with any of it. You know, uh, Alderweireld did us a wonderful job, but he was you know he's thirty two. Um, and we needed to bring the average age of the team down. And I think that uh, he he was maybe past his best. If not, if he's if he wasn't, he's only maybe got one year, one more year left. So a good time to get rid of him, get some money for him. Um, the rest of them, uh, you know, thanks for your service, but goodbye. Um, that can be said about Sissoko, Hart, um I felt a little sorry for Danny Rose. I'm glad he's come back on his feet and he should get some games at Watford. Um, Lamella has just done a fantastic job at Sevilla and um, banging goals in like crazy. Again, sad to see him go, but I understood. And all the other moves that we made, I, I understood. And none of them did I look at and go, well, what the heck did they do that for? And that's one of the first transfer windows in a long time where I can say that. Yeah, no, definitely. Like it's, it feels like the, the right decision making, and I, I understand where why fans who want immediate satisfaction they want to buy the best players in the world. They want to spend like millions or billions of dollars to put together the best squad. Yeah, maybe this isn't the the most satisfying window, and and did we fill every hole that we have? And that's where I'm going to go to next with this conversation. No, we didn't. But like you can't fix everything in one window, and and this is a promising start, and we're going younger and potential talent, and we'll see how it plays out. And I I think we're at least heading in the right direction with this. Um, so I kind of want to shift the conversation into um, there were a couple holes that we 
were not able to fill this window. I mean, we we had been talking about some players like Adama Traore. I don't know if a winger is precisely what we needed in this this window. But then there were things like uh, we do not have a legitimate backup striker, and and especially with uh, Harry Kane wanting to leave, it would uh, it certainly would be nice to have uh, somebody in now working into that position so we can prepare for life after Harry someday. Um, and we certainly didn't do that this window. Um, we also had the big Ndombele uh, um, issue where he, he he asked to leave. He wanted to leave. We we put him out on the market. We tried to find a, a taker for him, and uh, and and nobody would take him. Um, and and we do have a question on that. Um, we can talk about the kind of those like positions we didn't fill along with this question. But Jeremy Cohn, another I think new questioner for us, asks us if Ndombele stays at Spurs past the closing of the transfer window, which they obviously did. Do you think he will see time on the pitch or does the fact that he isn't committing uh, committed mean Nuno might only play him in cups or even just leave him out entirely? Um, he says also Kyle made the cheese question, which we answered to open up the podcast, but, um, but, um, but is Ndombele going to play? Do we think uh, John? I think it's entirely up to him. I think if he puts a, he's, puts his mind to it and he gets on with it, then he'll have an opportunity. If he sits and sulks, we'll never hear from him again. And it's as simple as that. Yeah, and and obviously Ari is a close friend of his, and he's leaving the club like on a, on a free. So, um, so obviously that doesn't look good for how he's going to feel about the club moving forward. But uh, Joe. Yeah, it's it's really frustrating with Ndombele because, you know, we we know what a talented player he is, but it it seems to be like ever since he joined, it's we've had kind of these dramas. Apparently, last summer he wanted to leave as well, and then, um, you know, Mourinho was able to get him in the team, get him playing well, and then he dropped off again and was not playing at the end of the season. And it seems whoever's been in charge of the club, even with Pochettino was here, he wasn't really playing. A regular, you know, he wasn't a regular part of the starting eleven. Um, I, you know, I was thinking if we find a buyer, who, bearing in mind what we were saying earlier about us finishing seventh and struggling to attract the top top bracket of players, I don't really think we're going to get a better player than Ndombele for that like creative midfield role. So maybe this is a bit of a blessing in disguise because he's not found the club now that. Aurier's gone. I mean, I don't know if Aurier was a bad influence. I, I have no idea about that. But and Sissoko having gone, maybe now it'll be kind of be like with a Kane situation where he'll just sit down and kind of knuckle down and get back integrated into the team and do a good job. That's that's the best case scenario um, for everybody, really, including including him. Yeah, and that's that's really the key question. Will he allow himself to be integrated back into the squad? I think Nuno's certainly the guy that could probably bring him back into the squad. But, um, and certainly, like, I agree. Like, even, like, I was, I was at the point where I was willing to swap him out for a different, different player. Like, when there were rumors that, like, uh, other players that aren't, I know aren't as good as him, um, were willing to be swapped for him. I I would have taken them because 
Lee Stable would have wanted to be here, be at Spurs. If if they had come from wherever they were coming from, they 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 would have agreed to to, to come to Spurs and want to be there, which um, for me would be worth more than the sheer talent that Ndombele has. But um, because that didn't materialize, and I don't think that's any failing of the club. I think like we had to look at this like we have this asset that uh, we spent a lot of money on, and we have to get something significant back for them and we can't just take a subpar player um and, and, and like a i i don't know a, a bag of balls back from a team for for Ndombele so now that we're keeping him I really hope you're right and like best case scenario he does find a way to work himself back into the squad because as much as Deli Ali has been great as a box-to-box uh mid Fielder, I, I think we need a, more of a creative force um, to score more goals. Um, uh, John, you want to respond to that? Yeah, I mean, Aurier was uh, expendable, I guess, um, and Dombele and Dembele is not. I mean, we we invested too much money in him to uh, to to just let him go. Um, I think it was very interesting that nobody was coming in for him. I don't know whether he has a reputation that precedes him. Um, I sense he might. Um, and I certainly I do know how dangerous it can be if you get one player in the squad who's discontented, uh, what an impact it can have on others. And uh, if that's the case, then we've got to be very careful about how we handle him. But uh, I wish him the best. I mean, he's certainly very talented. So let's... Um, Let's hope he knuckles down and gets a few games and shows us what he's worth. And, uh, you know, if he does, he'll be more sellable next time, too. Joe, uh, Joe you want to respond? And then let's hear from yeah. Sam on this before we uh, wrap up the Ndombele conversation. Yeah, just just really quickly. I think John made a great point there that, he, like, no one came in for him, right? And it's like, I think that's going to be a kick up the backside for him because re- media reports were that, he was expecting to go to, you know, one of the top tier teams in Spain or uh, Germany, maybe. And these teams aren't interested. Like apparently only Leon was his former club. Leon were the only team who really showed any um, interest in him and they, they, they couldn't afford him. Right. Because it, like John said, he's on a huge wage. Uh, he's on 200,000 a week, I believe. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, I hope that that realization that no one actually wanted to come in for him will also motivate him. I mean, even if it is he leaves next summer, but he puts in a really good season for us, like Modric did before he left, that's okay. You know, we just need to recoup some value from our record signing. He's our record signing, and we've not seen enough from him. And he's he's got to figure it out and have a good season. Sam. Um, I, I don't, I don't fucking know what's going to happen with him. <laughs> Honestly, the uh, you, you see it time and time again. Sometimes players in this situation do turn up and put in a shift, and sometimes they go, uh, they they don't. They just they check out. I mean, as Joe said, he's earning two hundred grand a week. Uh, like some players would just sit back and like and and, and not try that. I don't know what's going to happen. Like I, I personally hope that he puts in a shift and and. Uh, Turns it back on because I'm a, I'm a big fan of his. Like I don't think we've had 
too many players since uh well too many players in my lifetime that are like have as good quick feet as him like in um like congested areas of the pitch um but like i don't know i, I i'm 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 not that uh, i'm not that hopeful that it's gonna happen like i want it to happen but well, i guess i guess we'll see yeah, like that's kind of where I'm at. It's why I would have been willing to cut ties if somebody had been able to willing to to to, to give a reasonable offer, like or even a player swap, and then like uh, some money or something like that, like some something that to uh, make it worth our while. Like you know what, we'll take less of a player, but somebody's more of a sure thing on being there, match in, match out, and ready to play. Um, but. I'm hopeful that like maybe we'll we still have the best to see out of Ndombele now that he's he's going to be with our club for at least another six months or so. Um, I I do want to also touch on the um, the striker situation because that's the other we did not buy a backup striker this window, um, and um, I think like uh, w- like we were going in on some pretty. Sub- superb strikers earlier in the window, but I don't know if that had more to do with we thought we might lose Harry Kane this window, uh, but now that Harry Kane's staying, uh, but we did not re- resolve uh, uh, the issue that we've really had over the last five years. Yes, we had Benicius last year, but uh, like he didn't see that many meaningful minutes when all was said and done. Um we didn't bring anybody in. Is is that a concern with uh, Kane and Son really being our only two people that goals are coming from, uh, uh, John? Well, I, I'll say what I've said before. I never thought Kane was going anywhere. And to bring someone in and tell them that they're going to be the understudy to Kane is, uh, I think, an impossible task. What I do like is the way that Nuno has been used Son as an alternative striker. And I think he does. I think Son does a good job there. So we we do have somebody that can step in if uh, if Kane gets injured or when Kane gets injured. Um, and, and I think Son would do a great job as a as uh, as a stand-in striker. So I'm not so concerned, quite frankly. I think this uh, what we've got is going to work. Yeah, I mean, we have we have experienced both Son and Kane being injured at the same time before. Though that's my one concern with that, like to have somebody that can play either alongside or um, or play in replacement of would would be beneficial probably. But Joe, what do you think? Yeah, that's kind of where I was going, Anthony. It's the first time, John. It's not often I disagree with you, but on this one, um, I, I I do think we could do with another. Goal, proven goal scorer um, because as Anthony mentioned we if you remember we got kind of bailed out a little bit by the fact of when the games were suspended because of COVID if you remember when that happened we lost Son and Kane due to injury um, and we were losing every game we lost to Wolves we lost to Chelsea we we were playing like Lucas Mora up front and Deli Ali as a false nine, and it was just not working at all. And um, by the time the games restarted, Kane was back fit, and then we got the sixth place season before last. Um, so that has happened. I, I actually think we missed a trick with with Danny Ings. I, <laughs> Villa paid twenty five million for him. I know he's not young. He's you know I don't know how old he is twenty eight maybe twenty nine, but. 
he's a proven Premier League player. He can play as a out wide in a front three. I just think having another goal threat like him, 25 million isn't that much. We've just paid that for another right back. I, I think that would have been a good signing um, for us, but I don't know. I, I, I would have liked to see us bring one in, but where are we? I really wanted things as well. I agree with you there, Joe. Uh, John, you want to respond? Yeah, I mean, I didn't... Uh, maybe you misunderstood me. Would I have liked us to get a, a striker? Absolutely. Um, I'm disappointed that it didn't work out, but I do think that uh, what I was saying was that the, the club has kind of figured out that we can use Son as well. But as you say, if they both get injured, then we're in trouble. And uh, I think Ings probably didn't come to us because he wasn't going to get as much playing time. I mean, he's going to be on the field. He's going to be starting now. Yeah, and he, he would start for us. So once again, you're, yeah. you're uh, auditioning for a Harry Kane backup, and that's, yeah. that's tough. But would Ing start over Lucas, I think, is probably what the question would be. Would we use Lucas off the bench in that situation once again? That. That might be where, but regardless, it didn't happen, so it's probably a moot point to discuss. But um, any thoughts on the striker situation, Sam? Um, yeah, I mean, as as, as people have alluded to, we were linked to some pretty big names, and you know, Martinez and um, others. I, uh, <laughs> others. Um, I think it's been the same problem for years, though. Like people, players like that are players like. Ings and they're not going to want to come in and especially not players like Ings who are, who are on the older side they're not going to want to come in and like Ings wants to work his way back into the England squad I'm sure uh, it's it's a tough one unless you, uh, you, you did you did we see all the uh, the Spurs sort of like social media and, and PR stuff that was suggesting that these players were being brought in to play with Kane now whether or not that was to like try and put the fans at ease that Kane wasn't leaving or whether or not it was to try and like smooth it over with the players themselves. Who knows? But like these, these players are stupid. I, I am a little bit nervous about where the goals are going to come from. If, um, if there is a couple of injuries, especially as like so far, we haven't really create been all that creative. Um, so um, we'll see. I mean, we're three games in. Like, I know I'm being very non-committal tonight. I apologise for that. But the, 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 we're three games in, and, and we'll see where we are. I suspect that we are going to be doing a lot of research on strikers this year um, for myriad reasons. Yeah, and and it's it's quite possible that we even make a move for a lesser striker at the uh, the winter window, even though we normally wouldn't flash that type of cash. But after uh, six months of the stadium being open. Clearly, we've been trying to push all of our spending down down the line to next season. Um, it might be easier to do when we hit the winter window to say, like, hey, you know, we'll pay you tomorrow for what we want to buy from you today, like the cheeseburger that we want today or whatever <laughs> um, the phrase is. Um, but great conversation on the window and, uh, like, uh, on a whole, like it's it's exciting to see young talent coming in, like us building for the future once again. Um, we used to be the youngest team in the league under Pochettino, and uh, um, we became one of the oldest teams. And now we're shifting back to being younger again, and I think that's always good 
whether the talent will prove itself or not, that, that remains to be seen. But it's it, it's exciting times regardless. Um, it was an exciting transfer window. Um, let's play out this half a season and see where we go with the next window. Um, um, in Nuno, we trust, I guess, at this point. Um, but I want to uh, move the conversation along real fast. Uh, we don't ne- really need to have a conversation on it. We already talked about the Conference League group stage draw, so we won't talk about that again. Uh, but we also had a League Cup draw that came up this week since our last episode. Um, and and uh, in the League Cup, uh, towards the end of September, we did draw Wolves away, um, which uh, was kind of an interesting time because we drew them right as uh, all the rumors of Adama Traore coming to Spurs were, were out there. Um, and obviously he didn't end up making the, the transfer but um, uh, to play them uh, again after kind of like the, the, the exciting 1-0 away performance in the League Cup. It's kind of an interesting draw, kind of a stronger competition that we could have drawn in this competition what do you guys think real fast i think it you know one of the things that seems to be inevitable is that if a manager moves from one premier league club to another then they're going to draw each other in the cup it happens over and over again um and you know obviously statistically that's not possible but it does just seem to happen and uh but wolves I think are not as good a team as they have been in the past. Um, they haven't started very well this year, and so um, I'm, I'm not too concerned about getting Wolves in the in the cup. I think we'll take care of them. But uh, as you know, I think we're going to win that too. So uh, there we okay. go. Yeah. Okay. It, it, Sam, another quick thought. Yeah, I'm gonna, I think Wolves have been have started great. Honestly. I know they got no points. Um, but they could and perhaps should have won all three games. Like they were, they played Leicester off the park, and they, I think they were much better than Man United as well. Um, I don't know what Nuno's approach is going to be to this. Like, do we think we're going to play full strength teams? I don't know. The uh, like, um, I suspect he may against Wolves. Um, but yeah, like, uh, I think it's a tough draw. Also, uh, yeah. Yep. Um, Good conversation there, uh, but I do want to move it along um, to uh, we have one match to preview uh, before we wrap up this episode. And we're going to do this real fast, the rapid fire, five minutes at most. Um, so this, um, uh, this on Saturday, September 11th, after we return from international break, uh, we we take on uh, Crystal Palace away. Uh, currently, Crystal Palace sits in 14th place in the league with two points. That's uh, zero wins, two draws, and one loss. Uh, their most recent match was a 2-2 dr- uh, draw uh, this past Saturday, August 28th, away to West Ham. Prior to that, they lost to Watford in the Carabao Cup. They drew Brentford, and they lost to Chelsea. Um, upcoming on uh, after us, they, they take on uh, Liverpool away on Saturday, September 18th. So it does not get any easier for them. They did just purchase themselves a, a striker from Celtic today, um, which might be an interesting uh, addition for them, and might, he might be ready to play by the time we face them. Uh, their top goal scorer right now is Connor Gallagher with two. Top assist man is uh, Christian Benteke with one. 
Um, Gallagher is the top-rated player with 8.39. James MacArthur's behind him with 7.40. And Bentecki's behind him with 6.86. Um, last five times we faced them, we did um, beat them most recently 4-0 in March of 2021. Um, prior to that, um, we drew them the, the previous two engagements in December 2020 and July 2021 1-0. Oh, I'm sorry, 1-1. One, one. Um, we beat them 4-0 in September 2019 and 2-0 uh, in April 2019. Um, so we, we've been winning or drawing against Crystal Palace when we faced them recently. How do you guys feel about this match? Uh, let's start with Joe. Um, so... I'm thinking we're going to win 1 0 again, actually. That's where I'm going with this one. It's going to be pretty cagey. They're not, they're not a bad team, Crystal Palace. I saw them, I, I actually watched most of their game against West Ham, and they were pretty unlucky not to win that game. They had a couple of chances at the end. They could have even won that away at West Ham. They're not, they're not too bad. Um, my, my concern for this game, actually, is with the defense. We've not actually touched on this, but quickly, in case anyone doesn't know about it, this situation with uh, international travel, right? So Lacelso and Romero and David Sanchez have all gone to South America, and they're either red or amber listed countries by the UK government, which means there's going to be a quarantine afterwards. Which, long story short, means that they can't play in this game. None of them, the three of them, can't play. Um, so that presents problems because. Um, that's two central defenders missing. Now, you could put Tanganga there and throw Emerson in for his debut. Bit risky against Wilfred Zaha on your Premier League debut. You could maybe put Ben Davis there. Not a great option, maybe. Rodon's been injured. So that's my concern, is the centre-back situation. Um, other than that, I, I think we should be OK, but that does worry me a little bit. Yeah, the, the, and that is a concern in, like... Uh... I know that that might come up with future matches too, because they have to, don't they have to isolate and they're playing in some island somewhere uh, for for like ten days or something like that uh, after they come back from international break. Yeah, they've gone to some island off Croatia as a means of kind of accelerating the process. That means they should be back for the Chelsea game, um, and they maybe miss one of the Europa Conference League games, which is fine. But yeah, we need them back for Chelsea for sure. Yeah, and that that it it, it will be interesting, but um, maybe if Rodon's back healthy, maybe it's a good opportunity for him to show that he's uh, could be part of our plan too. Which uh, um, we haven't seen whether Nuno likes him or not because he hasn't been healthy enough to play. So it might be an interesting uh, conundrum that leads to some some other solutions. But we've talked about the fluidity of the the back line with uh, people able to able to play in multiple positions there. Um, that might be uh, um, our saving grace in this type of situation. And it seemed like Crystal Palace might be the type that we can handle. But yeah, as you said, uh, um, we have some some talented players there that we do have to worry about with Crystal Palace. Um, uh, we do have a question that uh, relates to this, uh, this match. Uh, side does ask us... Uh, some other questions, but I want to go to what he asks us about uh, the upcoming match. And he says, next match, everyone's fit. 
Do you start Stevie B or uh, Big Boy Brian Hill uh, in this match? Like, are, are you guys still? Do you think Nuno still starts Stevie B, or is uh, has Brian Hill proven himself uh, after a couple substitution performances and his uh, performance in uh, in the Conference League, uh, John? Yeah, I think it's much too early to tell, quite honestly. I think Joe made a very good point about the players going to South America. Um, and uh, we just don't know what's going to happen with that. Um, if he does get an opportunity, I think he'll do fine. But uh, I think it's really too early to tell. Um, and as far as the Palace game is concerned, um, my prediction is that we're going to do two things that we have not done this year yet. We're going to concede a goal and we're going to score two goals. So uh, that's that's where I am on that game. But, uh, yeah, I mean, we've got 11 days and an awful lot can happen in that time. So I think we're a little bit premature. But nonetheless, uh, I think the winning streak will continue. Well, uh, so 2-1 is your prediction. I like that. And who are your goal scorers? Well, I think we'll go with Kane and Son. Kane and Son, that sounds like a good plan. Let's go to Sam next, and like, if you have any commentary on the match, you can throw it in too, but throw it in with your prediction. Um, I, first of all, I want to know why we let these guys go to South America and didn't go for Alex Ferguson, and they suddenly picked up a knock before a random international GT. But at the, um, um, in the game, um, yeah, I suspect that we're probably too strong for them. Although... Uh, I watched quite a lot of the Crystal Palace game against West Ham as well. And the, the, the lad that they put on um, loan from Chelsea, whose name escapes me, he scored twice. Um, yeah, Gallagher, that's right. Um, looks pretty lively. So if we do have Ben Davies at centre back, uh, that might be a little bit worrying. So, but I still think, still think we should have too much. So let's go, let's go two one as well. And um, Lucas and Kane. I like that. Uh, Joe, what do you have? Yeah, well, I'll, I'll stick with my... I'm kind of talking myself out of the 1-0. I'm going to... No, I'll, I'll stay with 1-0 and I'll say Kane gets the goal. Scrappy goal, but it'll win it. It's the game. And we could be 1-0 FC if you're right. Uh, and I'm hoping that we kind of break that trend. And we do have to give up a goal someplace. So I'm kind of with John that like this might be the, the where we break the ice on. We get we do we we are going to give up some goals, especially with our uh, center backs not available for this match. Um, and I do think there are some legitimate attackers on uh, on Palace right now. So I'm going to say three two. Um, I do think our goal scorers are better. Um, I think Kane's going to have something to prove, so he's going to get a goal here. I do think that we are going to get a goal from uh, Son, because uh, Son is, uh, he, he goes through spells where he's a, a good goal scorer, and then he will go through cold spells, but I don't think he's ready for his cold spell yet. Um, and to an- answer Sai's question, I do think Bergvine is going to play, and I'm going to give Bergvine a goal here. I, I think we've seen some some good skills out of uh, Bergvine and some unlucky and slash poor, poor finishing. Um, but 
I do think once he breaks that ice that it, uh, we're going to see great things out of him uh, moving forward. And there's a reason that we didn't sell him to um, Ajax this year when they were asking about him. Um, so I think he, he does get a goal here. So I'm going to say 3-2 um, with Bergvine, Son, and Kane. Um, any final thoughts just uh, about everything that we've talked about today before we wrap up this episode? Well, I'm going to say I'm going to stick with my prediction that we're going to win all four of the tournaments we're in. So uh, <laughs> I just, love it. just to make sure that nobody understand, nobody thinks I've lost my uh, lost my bottle on that. But yeah, we're going to give them <laughs> a go on everything. <laughs> well, well, great conversation today, everybody. Uh, th- thank you so so much to John, Sam, and Joe. Thank you to, again to John for your halftime segment. It, it, it's really good to catch up on the loans. It'll be interesting to see what other loans come up. Once again, uh, check in next week. Uh, we should have an episode from Catherine. Um, definitely some good stuff on uh, support supporters in America. They're like much more uh, re- refined podcasts and uh, um, more more calculated uh, um, e- edited programming. Uh, than what we do here on uh, Four Star Spurs. Uh, But that about wraps up the episode. So so thanks to Tommy for editing and sound today, Charlie for the music, Kevin for for social media, Um, John for for Loney update, Uh, Kimberly for the logo, and as always, the Atlantic Bar and Grill. It's great to be back there watching matches again. Uh, definitely, if you're in the area, come out. Um, we do have to follow the city's mask mandate right now, um, but there isn't capacity limits, uh, so just uh, wear a mask if you're um, if you're not eating or drinking. Um, hit the subscribe button and write us a review on iTunes if you like our podcast. Find us on both Spotify and Stitcher. Give us a review wherever you get your podcasts. And check us out on Twitter and Facebook at Four Stars Spurs and our website at fourstarspurs.com. Come on, you Spurs. Oh,